You might know our next guest only as a head coach here in the Columbus area, but his story is far beyond just a coach, uh, being a head coach or just leading players out on the uh, arena football field, Jack, because this guy is uh, his story pretty amazing right now. I mean, when you look at his resume, he's a former collegiate football player. He's played football all around the world, the literally, world. and he's built a dynasty here in Columbus. We're going to get to know Jason Gibson just a little bit better. This is on your sidelines. When the final buzzer sounds, the game is over, but their story isn't. Time to hang out on the sidelines and learn the real stories of these sports icons. Welcome to the On Your Sidelines podcast with the News 3 sports team. Hey, bring it in, everybody. Welcome to the newest edition of the On Your Sidelines podcast. I'm sports director Rex Castillo, joined by... Weekend sports anchor Jack Patterson. Rex, we are back! Welcome, First show of the new year! Welcome to 2022. At least, finally, we're off the ground running here. And we have an incredible guest, y'all, lined up for this episode. But before we do that, time for that t-shirt check. Jack, going to the basketball court, aren't you? Exactly. We are true to Atlanta in this sports office, at least for me. I'm sorry, Rex. The Rockets ain't doing too You know what? Right I'm, a, I'm a Hawks fan this season. I'm, I'm hopping on the bandwagon because it's but tough. We are true to Atlanta. Hawks are off and rolling they are picking up the pace i think they had to wait for georgia to win the national championship <laughs> before they could start still talking about that exactly uh, so but man the hawks are doing well trey young's doing fantastic and can't wait to see what they do this year non-core to their eastern conference finals run rex you have your career personified in a shirt over there. <laughs> we like to call the state championship game, the class four, a state championship game, the Rex Castillo career bowl, because I'm here in Columbus, Georgia, obviously having an amazing time being the sports director at WRBL news three. Before that, I was at WSAV, our sister station in Savannah, where Benedictine play Carver. It was kind of like my career colliding in on one field. That was amazing, but enough about us. Shout out to the next star media group, by the way. <laughs> Thank you for the paycheck, but we're going to talk about our next guest who you may only know as a head coach, but a, worldwide football career jason gibson thank you so much for joining us man, man this is fun <laughs> <laughs> holy cow y'all are making me feel great would you like that intro we could keep that on recording just play that yeah. before you go into the office i, every I single would time. like that as my ringtone or maybe my <laughs> alarm in the morning my <laughs> wife and him here every single we morning. will send that to you <laughs> i am not kidding i will make that a ringtone and well this is an opportunity if you want to play this back for your kids that yeah dad was kind of a baller back in the day these aren't nah, stars. <laughs> nah, nah. No, it's funny. You know, you, your coaches always tell you that when you're in high school and you're like, oh, you know, when I played, and you're like, oh, you're old. You're old. <laughs> you know, yeah, right. But so right. we'll start at the beginning. When did the love for football start? For oof, maybe fourth grade, third grade. Really? Man. Y'all, it was crazy. I remember I watched every back then. It was a George Michael Sports Machine. Washington. Oh, yes. Because <laughs> you grew up in, in Maryland. Right. So, so you he got, was the, you Channel 4. Yeah, you got all the D.C. stations. All the D.C. stations and George Michael Sports Machine, and you lived for Sunday night and highlights, you know, because there wasn't wow. prime, prime time, mm -hmm. things like that. Not a sports so, center to, like, always just have sports So time. I had three jerseys. I've only had three jerseys in my entire okay. life. It was a Joe Montana. It was a Marcus Allen jersey, and I oh, would wow. put them on and go in the backyard. And I would, my dad was a construction worker, so I would get us paint, and I painted the backyard. I got in trouble for it. <laughs> but I would go out there, and I would literally play football against myself. I would throw the ball up, and I'd run and catch it, and I'd, I'd simulate an entire season. And then, I'd, then I would change jerseys at halftime. Then I'd come back wow. in at the halftime of the game. and uh, I mean, it was all kinds of stuff. I built goalposts out of uh, two-by-fours, made an H, and then I stuck them in cement, <laughs> stuck them in the ground. That's amazing. I took uh, some, I am loving this. <laughs> I took some footballs. I, of course, I had a tire like everybody. Sure. And I took some footballs and took the threads out and stuffed it with wet towels, and I re-threaded it to make the ball heavy. 
to make my arms stronger because wow. I was a quarterback. And so I did that. And you were doing this in fourth grade? Fourth, fifth, sixth grade, yeah. I was about to, okay, so that is a love for football story I've never heard before. Yeah. Like, seriously. I did that, and then I had – do y'all remember the little helmets – the, the helmets you can buy in a set, the NFL helmets. Right, yeah, they had like 60, yeah. like all teams See, or whatever. then, it was 25 cents, and they came in a little plastic bubble okay. at Safeway, which is the Publix of the North. So mm-hmm. Safeway is, a, you know, so every time we go to Safeway, I'd have 25 cents, and you'd have to try to get the collection. Okay. And you put it in, you put it in like the little machine. Yeah, and you turn the handle, and yeah. then it would come out. And so I tried to, eventually after a while, I collected, it was like, you know, like, Christmas story in Ovaltine. You had to collect everything. <laughs> so I collected them all, y'all. I would take an NFL schedule. God, I'm embarrassed now. Let's do this. I would take an NFL schedule, the entire schedule, and okay. I'd line all the teams up in their divisions, and I would look at the schedule and go, okay, game one, week one, Niners and Redskins. I'd pull those two helmets out, and I'd smash them against each other. Whichever one stayed up was the winner. And then, they, okay, they won week one, and I would play an entire season out on the kitchen table with little plastic helmets, man, for Days. This is a dedication to days. sports. That's amazing. Yep. That just blows my mind. And so I did that, you know, sixth, seventh, of course, and then started playing football in eighth grade, and, you know, all through middle school and peewee ball and <laughs> stuff like that. But uh, I was, it was NFL ride or die, man. Wow. I am blown away. I love that. That That's a, that's amazing. So favorite Joe Montana play. If you oh, could speak, if you could pick one, without a doubt, running through my house when he threw that pass to John Taylor in the Super Bowl, gotcha, mm-hmm. that was insane. And see, back then, which was crazy, and you're gonna laugh because if you're looking at me, I'm bald. But <laughs> back then, I had a heck of a mullet. I mean, I was. <laughs> we need pictures. I was gonna say, I we need, need pictures visual now. evidence of this. I mean, I had. You see my son Jet, and so oh, yeah, we we're yeah. spitting images, and I had long blonde hair, man, down to my shoulders, and and so did Boomer Sison back then. And yep, so being yeah, from Maryland and the University of Maryland, so. Nobody knows this. My name growing all the way up until I got into college because I never told anybody when I got to college what my nickname was. So going, it was always Boomer. Everybody called me Boomer. Because of the hair. Because of the hair and the quarterback. I wore number seven and all that stuff. You kind of model your game around Boomer? He was way better than me. (laughs) (laughs) But uh, so everybody called me Boomer. That was my name, was Boomer. And so then when I got to college, I never told anybody. And then it transformed to Gibby and... That's kind of how that went. Kind of stuck. But kinda, yeah, but but Boomer Sison in Maryland, number seven, it was cool. And now yeah. mullets are coming back. So are the kids having mullets again? Or are you gonna well, it was not really like a mullet. Like I didn't have it shaved with the true oh, gotcha. Joe Dirt mullet. <laughs> I had the '80s or late '80s, but early '90s feathered front kind of yeah. rock. Band. Okay, I gotcha. You know what I mean? And then I think <laughs> my senior year. We were on the baseball team, and I didn't take baseball very serious. I was a football guy, but I thought I was a baseball player. We all decided to go to the barber shop. And that's when the hairstyle changed. And we went all crew cuts, Tom Selleck mustaches. We all did it at the same time to kick off the baseball season. And I got cut. <laughs> oh! So now you're with the Tom Selleck mustaches. Tom out. Selleck mustache, flat top, you know, Tom Cruise flat top, the top mu- gun. The mullet's and, gone. And we got to look at the board. And because I, I was just, you know, I didn't put a lot of effort. I just thought I was going to show up and make the team. Sure. And, and I got cut. I was one of, one of the only one in the clique that didn't make it. I was like, oh, well, Dang it. oh, well I'll just work out more in football. So, oh, right, see, there you go. Goodness. So, when did you kind of feel like that, you know, you want that you wanted to pursue football in your life? Like, you wanted to make it a part well, of Well, you life. know, every kid writes that stuff. And I remember, I can't remember her name, but I remember seventh grade guidance counselor said, What do you want to do? And I said, I want to be a pro football player. And they mm-hmm. said, That's, you know, of course, every teacher says the same thing. And they should get an education, the odds of making it, blah, blah, blah. And, Stuff like that. So that kind of drove me a little bit. But I don't know. I didn't really think I was going to be anywhere big time. I knew I could play. I knew I loved it. I knew I worked hard. And, uh, you know, I had a good coach, uh, Frank Moore, 
And Brad Chris actually just grabbed me in a car one day. I didn't have a ton of offers. Just grabbed me in a car and said, hey, I know the coach at Fairmont State. And we went up for the weekend. I had a you know, tour, and the players took me out, and that was fun. <laughs> Good recruiting trail. Great recruiting trip. And I remember thinking, all right, I'm playing here. <laughs> awesome. So I went down. So with Fairmont, uh, talk about a little bit of your time there at Fairmont. Well, I mean, it's a good school. I had a great coach, man. Doug Sams was good. I, we got lucky. It's That's what I try to tell guys about arena football. It's a whole other story. But um, uh, being in the right place at the right time, whether it's football, your job, any profession, if you know somebody in the right place at the right time, things fall in place. Well, Doug Sams had been in the CFL for a couple of years. He won a great cup. We were fortunate enough to get a brand new coach first year. I'm a, I'm a freshman. He's coming in, new staff. Uh, with a CFL run-and-gun offense, which Fairmont State had been wishbone, I-formation, double title. So this is a, a culture shock. For the school it was. Yeah. Not for me. I didn't know any different. Right. Even though coming from Calvert High School, I was an option quarterback as well. And so, uh, But he just had a lot of experience and a lot of context, and he knew how to throw the football. And so I, I got fortunate enough to come in and get into that coaching staff, came in as a quarterback. Short version is he came in as a quarterback – um, I held all the extra points. I was the backup as a freshman, mm-hmm. which I thought was cool. Unspent known to me, I just burned a year. Fair. Holding <laughs> extra points and field goals. <laughs> but it was an experience. And so, um, but then my sophomore year, they they recruited the number one quarterback in the state of West Virginia. Oh, dang. Yeah. And I'm like, and he was a great guy. He wanted me, we wanted being roommates. Um, but he was good. He was better than I was, and he's a freshman, and I'm a sophomore, so the writing's on the wall. So I yeah. did what everybody does. I'm going to transfer. I'm getting out of here. But I didn't. I stuck it out and mm-hmm. went to training spring practice that spring. And and with all being said and done, players tell you how the good they were and this and that. And, I, you know, I, of course, I had some deficiencies with some things, but I could run. I could run. I could run. And so we went out the 40s that spring, and I ran a 4-4-9, which was one of the, at the time was one of the fastest on the team. The coach said, why don't you move the receiver? You already know the coverages. You know what the plays are. I said, hey, it sounds great. And then it just kind of – he was right. And it just kind of steamrolled from there. And I got gotcha. just fortunate. And, you know, Jared went on to set all kinds of records at the school. And I you know, had a lucky senior year and it worked out good. Yeah. Oh, go ahead, Jared. Yeah, I was going to say, you're selling yourself short a little bit, Coach. You set records there too. I did. Well, <laughs> I mean, it was crazy because going into my senior season, I, I was going to go to Myrtle Beach in the summer. My coach was livid. Was oh, like, boy. You know, what do you, I'm like, I'm going to go there. I'm going to run in the sand and – you know, do my 40s in the sand, stuff like that. And, of course, you know, yeah, right, Jason. But I did. I really did. I went to the beach and stayed with some guys. But I got up every morning at 6 a.m. and I went out on the beach. And I remember this to today. I would go out on the beach about 6 or 7 in the morning and I did all my sprint work in the sand because my coach from high school, old school guy, you know, leather helmets, no face mask type guy. <laughs> Rub some dirt in it if it was Well, when we grew up in Maryland near the beaches in okay. you know, Ocean City and in the Chesapeake Bay or whatever. And so he bragged about running in the sand and how fast it made him. And so I did that. I went to the beach and I ran. I did all my drills, all my routes. And then there was an old broken down, there was an old field behind a police station in North Myrtle Beach. And I would go there at nights after work. And I'd got this from, uh, I want to say it was Jerry Rice, I think. No, I got it from my college coach, Kim mm-hmm. Lachlan, played for the Seahawks. I would run all my routes with no, I would never even catch a ball, never caught a ball. I just ran routes versus air. I would run a one route, which is a hitch, mm-hmm. two slant, three out, four curl, five. And I would run my route tree all the way down the field. I turn around and I'd run a hundred yard dash, and then I take a minute break. And I turn around, and I'd run a hitch, I'd run a slant, and I perfected those routes. And I'd run all the way down, then I do a hundred yard sprint. And I, that's that's what I did all summer. So when I came back, uh, first game of the season, we played IUP, and I was the slot receiver. But we had a hot call: Falcon and Maroon. Falcon to the left, mm-hmm. Maroon to the right. If they left the number three guy uncovered, they're going to just call it at the line and throw the screen bubble. 
Well, my other buddy, Teddy Murphy, was the hot guy. He catches 14 passes, breaks a school record for catches in a game. Yeah. I got benched because now he's the guy. I'm like, well, damn, he just caught a bunch of bubbles. <laughs> but I mean, he was good, too, now. Don't get me wrong. So I actually got benched for uh, the second game. So I worked two games into the season, my senior year, you know, and then a fluke accident, our fullback got hurt. And so when our fullback got hurt, uh, we had to go to our three-receiver package, Cowboy. Cowboy, okay. was our, Cowboy was three receivers, Indy was four receivers, and Dragster was five. And so um, we went through our Cowboy set, and I caught four touchdowns that first game. What? <laughs> and so I caught four, and then the next game I caught three more. And so we wind up – it's so funny how offenses evolve. And so our offense got away from what we were doing. Right. And we stuck with that Cowboy set most of the game. Then I finished with 18 touchdowns in eight games. It was really eight games. 18 touchdowns? Well, because the first one was the IUP game that I right. didn't catch a pass. Yeah. Sure. And the second one, I didn't even play a down, really. I was just second string back. So, 18 touchdowns in eight games. It was crazy, man. It was a, it was a fun year. And I can, I can tell you right now, 872 smash. <laughs> I can tell you. I uh, love it. Like, you can remember all the calls. Are, you're darn right. I can't. They're Peter, ingrained in you. Peter Paul Rub or, or, you know, Dot Right H Jet Paul Rub. And, and I ran those. I still run those today at Glenwood. So my my thing too is like you had put in all that time in that offseason. That that just has to be a testament to your offseason, your dedication to be in the right place, to stay ready, right? Because you were running routes against air. Your first game, you don't play, and all I of a sudden, love you, the grind, right? You know, a lot. Of, I, I, you know, that's why I tell guys when I recruit guys, even now for arena. I mean, the games for me are okay. I get that, and it's fun and all, but I love the discipline of practice and the grind of working out when nobody's watching. I mean, I, when I think back to it. You know, we were at Fairmont. I took my wife back for the first time in 25 years. I haven't been back 25 years. First wow. time this year we went back. Wow. It was really cool to see the school and show her where I, you know, whatever. And I remember us down on the, uh, looking at the practice field. You know, I got all emotional because I remember how much time I had put on that field. It was insane. I had these big, huge, y'all are going to laugh. You ever seen those strength shoes with the blocks on the front? Yes. Okay. If you don't know anything, you would think I have a, disability if you see somebody walking in them yeah but the basketball players used to use them oh those okay i gotcha i gotcha you put the shoes on with the blocks on the front end elongate your 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 achilles and your calf muscles make right. you, so i took those shoes and i would go down the practice field i'm not i'm not making this up i'd go down there usually in the mornings but i go at night um after everything was done and i would run hundreds and flying 60s and flying 30s in these strength shoes wow and it made my stride longer. It made my kill. It was crazy. It's the fastest. I got so fast at Fairmont when I learned how to run and how to train mm-hmm. versus just working out. But I'd put so much time in that field with nobody watching, running in the snow, parachutes, all those things. You know what I'm saying? I never liked working out with people or around people. It was always because you want to be in your zone. I don't, I don't want to talk to anybody. Gotcha. I don't want to. You know, I, you go to the gym nowadays, and you can go. I can go in there and do a whole workout and be out. I see that some dudes are they're still talking. They're still on their bench. I'm like, what are you doing? But <laughs> each their own. So, so you get done with Fairmont State. You know, af- after that record breaking year, you know, what what was next for you once you you know completed your college career? I just I walked to my coach's office and said, "Can I play at the next level?" I knew he was a CFL guy, so he had connections. So this goes back to him. And I said, if I can't play, I'm okay with it. Just I don't want to waste your time. I don't want to waste my time. He said, no, you can play. You could, you, you, you could play in the CFL. So he actually got me signed by the San Antonio Gunslingers. 
The USFL? Yeah. Nice. And so, no, the CFL. CFL. Back in the day, the CFL. Oh, okay, gotcha. They did have the American expansion into the um, CFL. They had the Baltimore Stallions. They had the, uh, there was a Birmingham team, too. Mm -hmm. I think there was. The XFL, I mean, the CFL had expanded. Well, that year, I'm going to make this quick. That year, um, the CFL decided to decrease those American teams because the American teams didn't have the American rule. Gotcha. The CFL has a rule. You can only have 17 Americans on the team. Everybody else has to be Canadian. Right. The American teams didn't. So they could be all American. And they were crushing them. Yeah. Plus the travel restrictions were starting to become a pain. Anyway, long story short, the American teams folded. So when mm -hmm. they folded, they did a dispersal draft amongst the American teams back to the CFL. When we take all them veteran talent and it goes back into the pool, where does that leave the rookies like me? Kind of so, outside looking in. Yeah, way outside looking <laughs> in. So that kind of banned out. And then I went to some tryouts here and there. It was funny. I went to a workout in Chicago. Uh, it was just back then the NFL used to run a combine. Okay. The NFL combine. But not the one that you think of on TV. This was one where you, you know, you paid hundred bucks, you went out there, and I mean there was three hundred, four hundred people there. It was oh my insane. goodness. It was insane. It was in Chicago, never been there. Had I ankle, I had maybe ten bucks to my name. You know, I was in a hotel. I ate I, I ate Hardy's that and all I could eat was French fries, all the money I had. Oh wow. And gosh. so I go to the tryout and we're on the bench press and I did it. 23 times for the 225 and I racked it and the guy was like why'd you rack it you could have got more and I said to be honest with you because if I don't run a 4-4 you're not even gonna look at me he goes well you're Good right <laughs> but the tryout went and came and went didn't get picked up some dude gave me his business card it was some agent hey give me a call you know just playing your I'm like whatever I kind of I, I didn't throw the card away but I really ditched it off and didn't pay attention <laughs> to it and then I bounced around and then I wound up uh, my roommate, Henry Newby, played in CFL for uh, BC Lions. Mm -hmm. He kept telling the coach, said, hey, I got this dude in Fairmont. I got this dude in Fairmont. So they finally hooked it up, gave me a call, and I flew out. Flew out and was on the practice squad um, uh, for September, October. Played okay. with uh, Damon Allen. He was the quarterback, which was cool. Nice. Right. He's a legend. Went to his house. We had Thanksgiving dinner at his house. That was nice. Great. It was really cool. But So we went out to BC. I was on the practice squad, and I played. I did well, but I never touched the field because mm -hmm. I was on the practice squad. But back then – no pun intended, but there wasn't really the internet and stuff. So <laughs> I was still in school when they were paying my education and I was mailing my assignments back. Wow. There was no, you know, and so it was late October. They had to time it off, time it up at right. It was late October. I needed to graduate because I couldn't afford to go to another semester without right. my scholarship. So mm -hmm. I asked the coach, I said, I, if I leave now, will you promise you're going to sign me? He said, yeah, absolutely. We're going to sign you. We're going to sign you. So I left, went back and graduated. And then that spring, that J January, they didn't sign me, didn't sign me, didn't sign me, and then they bumped me to Saskatchewan. Mm -hmm. So Saskatchewan has me on their NAG list, which is a negotiation list. So that happened. That dragged on for three months, no signing. Then I got picked up and traded to Hamilton, and then Hamilton never brings me to camp. So I was on three teams, and I never touched, never touched oh, the facility. Wow. <laughs> and that was the end of it. So you go from the Lions to the Rough Riders to the Ticats, and nothing. That was it. It's the oh. business side of football that's pretty ugly. That was it. Went back home and – sold school calendars door to door. No lie. Wow. Wow. Yep. So I did that bouncing around and then, uh, I went back to Maryland with my dad, started working construction. I was unpacking my bags and I found that business card from that workout in Chicago. Wow. And called it up. And then that was on a Thursday, the following Tuesday, I was on a plane to Germany and I was playing that Saturday. So this is wow. one part of your career that I'm really interested in playing in the GFL. For, for a guy that grew up in the Mid-Atlantic in Maryland, what was it like living and playing 
in Germany. Best experience of my life. Really? Hands down. Hands down. I mean, I would rival, I mean, that and, and coaching the Doughboys at Fort Benning. Wow. Those are two highlights. You know, you get to Germany, never been to Europe. Uh, the football was, uh, uh, well, you only have four Americans. It's like Scarlet Letter. So before the games, you had literally line up outside the locker room. They have an official come down and do a passport check. Wow. And you have to present your passport. And if you're American, you have to wear an A on your jersey and an A on your helmet for American. So you, legitimately Scarlet Letter. <laughs> really, when you look at it, it was. And you could only have two Americans on the field at the same time. Wow. That's it. Goodness. If not, it would be all Americans. Yeah. But it was just cool. I mean, you know, and so we went over there and, you know, they put me up with a German player and uh, we had a good team. It was Marburg Mercenaries. And it's really cool. They play football there like they do in soccer. If you win your Bungaliza, mm-hmm. you play the worst team in a relegation game from the league above you. If you beat them, you push them down and you keep rising up. So it keeps the best teams at the top all the yeah. time. Which I would argue that relegation would be great on some American sports. It would be phenomenal. <laughs> it was so much fun. So we were a second league team. We weren't even a first tier team. Mm-hmm. We wound up losing in the relegation game. <clears throat> we couldn't get bumped up, but it was a great year. And um, get first game I got there, scored four touchdowns. It was great. <laughs> <laughs> you and four touchdowns. It was great. No lie, but you know the talent level. I mean, there were some really good players, but you know it was it was a lower level FCS sure. type mm-hmm. league, give or take. But still, you're playing American football oh, internationally. Oh, That's man, amazing. I'm in Marburg. I'm in Hamburg, <laughs> Munich, and Dusseldorf, and Amsterdam, and. Trump, it sounds like trouble, right? <laughs> no, I, I, not it's stupid me. I was so focused on working yeah. out so and getting better. I really thought it was going to be a shot for me to get back to the next level, and it wasn't. Gotcha. It wasn't. It wasn't. It wasn't because when I had a really good year, and um, obviously, but the scouts devalued the talent that we were playing against, and I don't That's, either. Just being honest. Yeah. In, the, in the film, I mean, mm-hmm. it was it was VHS. I mean, I still got the highlights at home. We need those. They're on tape. We can, we can and, find a way. And they're grainy. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, but the thing that came of it was when I came back from overseas, one of my coaches from Fairmont mm-hmm. was the offensive coordinator at this uh, at a, this team called the Albany Firebirds. Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah. And they were putting a new team in Greensboro, and one of his buddies was going to be the coach. And they invited me to Greensboro to work out for this Arena 2 team. I'd never heard of it. I was like, yeah, I'll do it. So what was the tra- transition like after playing, you know, traditional football for a while, even being in the CFL, but then coming to the arena game, what, what was that like for you? I didn't know the rules. <laughs> <laughs> but there's one thing, and I tell everybody this, in any sport, basketball, you know, whatever sport, I could run. Mm-hmm. You're fast. And if you run, you play. Yeah. And, you know, everything else takes care of itself. So, yeah, it was cool. But it just, the thing about Germany was we played a 16-game schedule. I came back that, let me see, that was uh, through almost October maybe give or take. Yeah. Then I wound up picking up the arena season in February. We played 16 games. And then I resigned with Toronto. So I played almost 32, 32. Dude. I mean, I played almost 40 weeks out of a 56 week season. And the best thing about it was playing the game. Mm-hmm. That's what made me better. My skills after that many football games. That's a lot of football. It, it is, but it makes you better. You yeah. know, you know, that's why I try to tell guys when guys are like, Oh, I'm not playing arena. This is below me. Or I'm waiting for the NFL. There's no there's no substitution for playing the game. I don't care who you're playing against because if you're playing against yourself, as far as how you push yourself, it doesn't matter what the competition is. See what I'm saying? If you're playing to the level of your competition, yeah, I get that. Yeah. But even in Germany, I mean, I was going to the gym, going back to the field, you know, practicing. I was doing all those extra things. But to play 16 football games and get that experience, 
and then come home and play arena and then sign back when Toronto, I mean, that's a lot of games. That's a, a lot. Yeah. It's a lot of experience. Yeah. So when you sign back with Toronto, how did that, you know, second go around go? Uh, it was weird. I'd spent my whole time. So you're, that's, you're talking about a seven year span from, from the BC lines right. to getting back to Toronto. And that's what was my goal. I was never going to play in the NFL. I knew that. So getting back, that was my goal. I, I knew I could play. I knew I could play. I felt like I got gypped. And that was a seven-year span to get back to that point. Um, so when I got to Toronto, went to training camp, I was in good shape. Mm -hmm. But I had trained so hard, I actually pulled my groin oh, two weeks no. before camp. And I said, all right, I'm going to tough it out. And so I healed it back up. So it was great. We went up to training camp. They brought in 10 rookies. And one of the 10 rookies was, um, oh, my God. Marcus Harris, University of Wyoming. He was the Blitnikoff winner. He was a stud. And um, so there was 10 of us. We ran our 40s. That's the first thing the first day. And I ran the fastest 40. Nice. Which was good. I'm like, whew, okay. <laughs> so then the second day, it's all rookies again. We're at training camp. And it was the last rep of the day, the very last <laughs> rep. And they had me up. And I ran a good route and beat them, smoked them. And then I popped my groin again. I'm like, oh. oh. But I didn't say anything to anybody. I'm like, here we go. So I had to read through highball that. But over the weekend – they cut everybody but me and Marcus. We okay. were only two receivers. I'm like, this is it. I did it. I called home, pack your bags, you know, I'm staying, blah, 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 blah. And then Monday morning we come to the meeting room and they brought in eight vets. All the vets showed up. Dang oh. Well, I know the numbers. They're only going to keep five receivers. Most of them probably two of them vets. have to be Canadian. So now you got eight veteran Americans. You got two rookie Americans. So you got ten spots. And four of the receivers that of the eight had already played there last year. <laughs> So I'm looking at the numbers, but, you know, it is what it is. But uh, the highlight was going to the Superdome. The Superdome. The, the, um, Roger Center. Skydome. Yeah, Skydome. Sky yeah. yeah, Skydome. We were in the Skydome. And I remember uh, we're stretching, and they started to close the roof on us because of bad weather. Mm -hmm. And uh, I was sitting there stretching. I was light, laser focused, man. The coach comes up. He's like, hey, man, you, you really need to enjoy this. <laughs> and I'm thinking, they're going to cut me. Yeah. yeah. Yep. And I scored the only touchdown in the game. I mean, no lie. Jason Gibson in the end zone. I just can't. Jimmy Kemp. Jimmy <laughs> Kemp was the quarterback from Wake Forest. And we – y'all, don't ask me how uh, – John Jenkins, the head coach from the yeah. University of Houston. Wow. Was our offensive coordinator. Wow. And he was as detailed as a coach I've right. ever seen. I mean, the whole play was – the whole play was zero Texas scene. That was – I remember that was zero Texas scene. And I, you know, I was on the two-receiver side. I came in motion, ran a cover two sit versus three. Jimmy hit me in the hole. I scored. I look up at the jumbotron, and it's you know I got my picture standing yeah. there flipping the ball, Fairmont State, you know, and I'm thinking, holy cow! Look over the sidelines. I see John Jenkins going like this, <laughs> and I'm thinking, man, they're going to cut me, but I'm going to enjoy. It. I kept that ball. That ball's in my office, as it should nice. be, as it should be. And so yeah, they cut me the next day. Oh dang it! <laughs> does it so after getting cut by Toronto, does that start the Greensboro process? To like I play? went back to Greensboro to play just to play. Gotcha. I I, I ain't gonna lie to you. As much as I love football, I was I was kind of spent on the business part of it. I was sure. I you know you've been through a, you've been through a grinder at that point. I just wanted to play ball and just take it for what it was. And then uh, they uh, had another good year. And then the next year they brought in a player named Bobby Scipio, who's probably one of the greatest athletes. Yes, I was gonna say I I've have heard ever seen in my life really you never heard about I, I, that's the first time i've heard of the name played so. at western kentucky six four you know he wound up taking my spot that, you know that, that's what pushed me into coaching because <laughs> i wasn't going to play anymore <laughs> guy was a freak of nature he wound up making it to the chiefs but he was a wow. just he was just a head case he's the greatest uh, athlete i've ever been around 
unbelievable. So, as you get to this point now, your playing career is come winding down. What got you into coaching? Uh, getting not being able to play anymore. Well, I mean that'll do it. She's <laughs> got any uh, Stephen Jerry from FAMU is a coach down there. He was asked me to be the office coordinator, and so I did it. And then the team folded. Oh yeah. So the team folded, but I was still there. I was coaching uh, one of the coaches, like always. So I got in high school coaching because I could. I needed a job. Fair. You know. So I was coaching, but then there was an expansion team called the Raleigh Rebels in the AIFL. Wow. Maybe. Y'all are going to – this is crazy. So mm-hmm. we play as a six-team league, Raleigh Rebels, Johnsontown, Nighthawks, the Canton Legends, one of the best arena names of all time. I was about mm-hmm. to say, Canton And their uniforms were the color of the of the, like, the Heisman Trophy. It was I was going to say, that's outstanding. And so I was coaching the Raleigh Rebels and uh, what was the other team, the Richmond something, whatever. And – Canton Legends had a receiver that was pretty good. We had a game plan for him, a guy mm-hmm. named Nick Saracini. What? <laughs> wow. Yeah. It's crazy how these names keep coming back. But, you know, of course, he's the head coach for the Eagles. Yeah. yeah. But he played. He was the receiver <laughs> for the Canton Legends. Wait a minute. Nick Sirianni? Nick Sirianni, whatever his name was. Yeah. Wow. Holy crap. He was the wide receiver. I remember because we had a game plan against him. Wow. Specifically for him. Yeah. He was good. The, the the world of football like is it, so, so small. small. It's it's kind of ridiculous. I saw his name come up for the thing. I hadn't known what happened to him, and all of a sudden he popped. You know, I don't really know him, but I just remember he was a player. Yeah. And then that league folded. Oh, okay. The team folded. I go back to Greensboro, and then I got I was at the high school at Greensboro uh, Eastern Guilford, and my buddy of mine called me and just said, "Hey, there's a job opening in Columbus for an arena football team." And here, this is where this story picks up. Now here we sit. The Columbus so, Lions, you, you built this to be a pretty yeah. amazing contender every single year. You take a lot of pride in it. For you at the ground level, though, when you first got the job, what was that like, you know, putting the foundation down for what the Lions are? It is a lot. It's a lot. You know, a lot, a lot of door knocking, a lot of phone calls. Um, first time, I, first day I took the job, it's the relationships I remember. The first day I took the job, I got in the car and drove out to Auburn. Walked right in the front door of the football facility and went to the secretary and said, who's your NFL liaison? And they said, Philip Lolly. I said, can I meet him? And so, uh, Philip, uh, she went out, took me, introduced me to Philip Lolly. And he said, let's go to lunch. I'm like, you got to be kidding me. Is this, this, yeah. He takes me to lunch and gives me a list of players from Auburn that had graduated that hadn't made it to the NFL. I mean, that's one heck of a connection wow. to make right there. <laughs> I, I, just call, I literally, y'all, just drove up there and just walked in the front door. Wow. And then he, we went to lunch, and we've been friends ever since, ever since. He's had a great career at Auburn, on to CFL, uh, legendary Alabama high school coach, just right. first-class guy. And um, he gave me Rashard Gilliard. He said Rashard Gilliard was a big DB. Rashard Gilliard was one who almost took the head off. Uh, I think it was a Georgia-Auburn game way back in the day. Mm-hmm. Uh, he gave me him, Silas Daniels, Monrico Crittenden, wow. um, all these old Auburn guys. But uh, I went and met Rashad, was at the, the – Piggly Wiggly bag and groceries. Still trying to finish the degree up. Yeah. And when I left lunch with Coach Lolly, I went straight there, bought some gum, got in line, and met him. And he signed with me, and he played. What a story! That's amazing. That that's that's. My he turned mind. out now he's in Jacksonville. You know, I think he's teaching. He's a great guy, man. Great guy. And that started my Auburn connection. Well, I was about to ask, like, for you, it's obviously a big task to, to start a professional franchise like that. And I think what I love about it was just the risk taking. Just go do it. Don't, don't think about it. Just go do yeah, it. Yeah, just just call people. And then I met Coach. I mean, the coolest coach I ever met really was probably Coach Blakeney, mm-hmm. Troy. I met him at a quarterback club. 
gave him my card. You know, he's coachable, you know, whatever. And he's like, yeah, why don't you need to come down? Well, I'll show you around, show you some players. I thought he was just being nice like every other coach. You know, sure. he was swamped. So about two days later, Miss uh, – what's her name? Miss June – not Miss June. His secretary for all those years. Uh, whatever. Skipping my head. Super nice lady. She calls my phone. She said, oh, Coach Blakeney was expecting you. I will be there in two hours. <laughs> and I jumped in the car the next day and drove down. He showed me around campus. Showed me the locker rooms, practice, just just first class. What do you need? What can I do for you? Always remembered that. He didn't mm-hmm. know me from Adam. Didn't have to do that. And he was already a 20-year successful big-time coach. Yeah. You know, that was back in the day when Troy was like, anywhere, anytime, I'll beat you. Wow. Yeah. And if you're going to take the time out, I mean, what a what a first-class guy. Yeah, I mean, Coach Blayton was one of the best coaches in Troy's history. Yeah, first class. And so I love those relationships when you meet those guys. So – one question that um, one thing that I'm interested in is you you were here on the ground floor of the Columbus Lions right. now, but the Lions weren't Columbus's first arena football team. Obviously, we had the War Dogs and then the Valley Vipers, you know, and you know those two franchises didn't really you know have a ton of success. What about the Lions' approach made things different? The ownership. I was with the Vipers. I was the Vipers' coach. Oh wow. And that was a train wreck beyond all train wrecks <laughs> with the ownership. They just didn't know what they were doing, and it just was wrong mentality. And so we wound up getting local owners um, here in Columbus. You know, A1 Poaches, Skip, I mean, God, Skip Seda and Kiki Seda, Keith Nord from Global Personnels. Um, uh, at the time, Angela Wingenti, Varun, uh, John Hargrove, you know, uh, uh, Shep Mullins, Premier, uh, Premier Realty. I mean, just really good local people that wanted to succeed and put the time in. And make it work. And so that's what happened. A lot of arena teams, unfortunately, have that curse of like, they'll be around for maybe a season or two and they'll fold. The, the Lions are not that. They're very successful with a good business program. What is it, What is the key <laughs> for you to to keep a business like that going versus falling into having a, I think, for lack of a better term, a Vipers kind of situation where it's just chaos the entire time? Because most teams in the country are chaos like that. It's just, I mean, I had a conversation a week ago with another team in the league, no names, um, talking with their owner. And he's like, you know, he's asking me, in my opinion, what do you guys do for this? What do you do for that? What do you do for housing? What do you do for this? I'm like, what are you doing wasting that kind of money? You know, just until you're bringing in that kind of money, you can't spend it. And the problem is you get a lot of these coaches in an arena, and I love the sport, so I hate mm-hmm. it when I see people devalue it. A lot of these coaches think it's the NFL. It's not the NFL. Stop spending NFL-type money Fair. when you don't have it. You know, you don't need to spend I'm just, these are stories you I'm telling. You don't need to spend $110,000 on housing. You don't need to spend $25,000 so you can have a second set of chrome helmets. It's just if if that's generating you revenue at the gate, then do it. But it's not. You know what I mean? And so I think arena football is a great avenue for guys to be able to get a second chance. Mm-hmm. And it's like every other job. Not everybody makes it to be the president of the bank. They all start out as tellers and some of them stay as tellers. Or whatever profession you're in. That's just an example. And so in arena football, some guys make it, some guys don't. There are there's the Kurt Warners of the story, and you look down the list. You know, Nick, Matt Nagy, Jay Gruden. I mean, you you keep looking at all these different arenas. The coach from the Packers, he played. He yeah. played mm-hmm. quarterback in the IFL. Oh, wow. I did not know that. Yeah. Played <laughs> for the did he, I, I don't want to say he played for Billings or Sioux Falls or 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 Omaha. He played for one of those teams. He right. played quarterback in in arena. And what it does is it allows you to get connections and, and network and meet people and stuff like that. So if you take advantage of it, 
And I think that's the right approach. You have to yeah. come this with the right mindset. 15 out of 16 seasons now, what, in, made it to a postseason with the Lions. Uh, yes, yeah, big old smile. You deserve <laughs> it. A guy, but what is what has been like for you to see those guys who take the second chance and just fly with it? You mean player-wise? Yeah, player-wise. <laughs> it's fun to watch guys be successful. And, and hopefully, at the end of the day, of course, when you move down here 17, 16, 17 years ago, it's, hey, what can I do to get the NFL, you know, get out of my way, me, 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 me. But as you get older, you realize when you get you know, my age and whatever, um, or at least for me it was, that it's more important to be able to do something for other people. That's the greatest gift you can do. I'm not trying to preach. I'm not trying to whatever. But if you can pass something on, it's something so somebody did it for you. And I've had a, as we tell those stories, and I talk about the Frank Moores taking me to Fairmont and all these different connections, somebody did it for me a long time ago. So yeah. – now it's my turn, and you help change lives, and you get guys jobs, and you, you know, things like that. Absolutely incredible. When you started here in the line with the Lions, what was your kind of outlook? Did you think this was going to be a, was it going to be a, like a stepping stone, or did you have you know long term plans here? Man, I had no idea. I really didn't. I was just just going to work butt off and just mm-hmm. just just you know win, and then figure out where that was going to go. And early in my career. Really early in my career, I did all those things. Going to see Philip Lolly, I would email coaches. Uh, I, I almost crazy. I almost took the job with the Georgia Force back in the day when the NFL owned all of the wow. When the NFL owned all of the uh, Arena One teams right. or the mm-hmm. AFL teams, Doug Plank was the coach. Yeah, and they were owned by the Falcons, and they worked out at Flowery Branch. They literally had their locker room. They ate the same cafeteria. When you went upstairs to the office facilities, you made a left to the arena coaches' offices. You made a right to the Falcons' coaches' offices. That's crazy. It was really cool. I called Coach Plank. They had an open tryout. I called Coach Plank, told him who I was down here, and said, I'll work the tryout for me. What do you need? Well, there's two great stories. I said, I'll work the tryout for you. What do you need? I'll pass out T-shirts. Because arena coaches always need volunteers. Mm-hmm. And so I literally sat at the table and just, I think I did registrations. I don't know what I did. I, I set drills up to what I did. I just set cones up for their coaches. And just watch. And he said, come on up. You can watch and observe. Great. So I did that. And so then the next trial, I called again. He was like, well, do you want to set the cones up? Do you want to go ahead and get the pad? And you want to record 40s this time? Yeah, I'll do that. So then the next year, this is three-year period. The third year, he called me. Hey, I got a workout coming up. You want to run the DBs for me? Yeah, absolutely, coach. So anyway, <laughs> He calls me and says, hey, you'd be interested in – there was a chance I was going to get the DB job for the Georgia Force. And I'm like – Wow. So this was maybe four years into the Lions. Mm-hmm. I was going to leave. And this was in November. December, I remember this date, like my wife's birthday because it's December 7th. But There you go. <laughs> December 12th, uh, the Arena League folds. Mm. Yeah. And I, had, I didn't take the job. And I was like, thank God. Dodge the bullet. <laughs> Dodge the bullet on that one. Mm-hmm. But I got a chance to meet all those people, Coach Plank right. and – all the different people. So I did the same philosophy when, what was it? What was the league in Orlando? XFL? No. Yeah, no. No. The U, UFL. The UF, okay. UFL lasted for one season. Jay Gruden was the coach. Yes. Oh, yes. wow. Okay, I got you. Yeah, uh, Jay Gruden. So on Jay Gruden's staff was Jay Gruden. Um, I can't remember the big dude from the Saints. The big blonde uh, defensive coordinator. He was the head coach for the Saints. Hassel. Uh, Hasslin. Okay. Oh, you guys know what I'm talking about. Not, I, 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 not Matt Hasslin. Um, I can't. He was a head coach for the Saints. Got I fired. can picture the guy, but I can't That's remember his right name. Now. So, anyway, I go down to Tampa. I mean, Orlando had open try. I did the same thing. I went out and saw Jay. So, I wound up working two or three tryouts for Jay Gruden. 
you know, um, open tryouts just because of the, the arena connection. Yeah. And so finally that he got the job for the UFL and I went down and applied out. I want to be your receivers coach, you know? Mm-hmm. And at the time, and he wound up, I didn't get it. He gave it to some kid like 22 years old. And right I'm out like, of school. Right out of school. I'm like, this dude didn't even have a, you know, I'm like, you got to be kidding me, man. So I wound up meeting him, and I, I kind of met him. I was kind of a jerk. No, I'd say I was a jerk to him, but I was just a little bitter. Right. You know, because I'm like, this dude's right out of high school. I put all this time in. <laughs> right out of high school, he's getting this job with the UFL. You know what I mean? It was Sean McVay. What? what? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, no uh, lie. He's in the NFC Championship game. Wow. Sean McVay, head Sean coach McVay. for the LA Rams right now. It really was. And I didn't know who he was. Nobody knew who he was. He's a 22-year-old kid. Yeah. So the UFL plays a year, folds. Yeah. And Haslin gets the defensive coordinator job with the Redskins. And guess who he takes with him to be their like quality control guy? Sean McVay. Sean, Sean McVay. And that's where that picture comes from that's been going around then, with Matt LaFleur. and um, So Sean McVay goes up there with Hasselin and Jay Gruden, who went up to Redskins, right. remember? Yep. Take the head job. Wow. And that's just, it's so, it's weird how. You are literally six degrees from anybody, and you're proof of, proof of that. Yeah, but they're, look where yeah, they're I mean, they're, you're look, doing okay. Look where they're at. <laughs> yeah, I'm doing good. You're doing good. Um, and you know, you, <laughs> and it's wow. crazy that that I'm, I, tell I had a story. feeling, I had a feeling that it was like, it's a 22 year old kid. He's got to know football. He knew he's, football. He's going to, he's going to say Sean McVay. He's going to say it's Sean yeah, McVay. <laughs> like it really goes to show, show just how small the world of football is. And Sean, Jason Gibson's actually a really good guy. Just if you happen to watch this. And I'm not even in the tip. You know, I talked to a lot of these coaches and scouts through, you know, through Glenwood. I'm not even in the realm or vicinity of knowing people the way these other coaches know people. Mm-hmm. I mean, when you're in, and you know, and have stories with everybody, right. you know? Um, but yeah, I put the work in, I met that. And then I just started, I go to the senior bowl every year. I used to, until they cut the practices off. They don't let you in there now, unless you're an NFL scout. It used to Brutal. be, if you were a CFL, AFL scout, arena scout, you had full access. But like an NFL guy. Yeah. But not anymore. They cut it out completely. So I kind of just stopped, but I'm not me sitting in the stands, you know, so whatever. But I went down there and met, uh, uh, Tim Crumrye. Broke his leg in the Super Bowl for the Bengals. Ow. Big okay. D. Back in the wow. day. Yeah. He was a really good D lineman. And we 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 stood underneath the bleachers. And I had him teaching me hand placements. I had my notepad. <laughs> I'm writing notes, man. Constantly like a, learning. That's what I love about it. Meet you. people, man. Meet people. That's awesome. That's really awesome. It's, all this is just mind-blowing to me. <laughs> just I swear how, I'm not making any of this up. <laughs> I know. I 100% believe you. You never, you know, you've never had a reason to lie a day in your life. But goodness gracious, this is all incredible. So... Talking more about the Lions, you know, like like we said, we're sixteen years now. Yeah. You know, look looking back, could you have ever envisioned just how much how much success this franchise has had? No, no. I mean, I, I mean, I, I look. I stayed here for one reason. I got married. I got married to my wife Sarah. You all met Sarah, and you Sarah's know, awesome. By the yeah, way, yes, I'm, I'm, very much so. <laughs> and so. I mean, uh, she's a great football wife. I mean, holy cow. And everybody says they have her. She's a great football wife. And to be able to be, and me and her talk about this all the time, to be a coach, any coach, any football coach, and be somewhere for 16, 17 years and not have to move. That's amazing. I don't care about jumping and going here and college this and CFL that. And I, I don't. I don't want to be a gypsy. My, <laughs> my, You know, for me, to be able to come home every day and have this experience, 
and share it, you know, with your families and stuff instead of, I don't want to be a dad that's going 18 hours a day. I just don't. It ain't worth the money at the end of the day. And my ego's not big enough where I need to go to the next job. I have the greatest job. And a good coach, a good coach told me a long time ago, um, if he had it all over again, because he was a gypsy, job, the job, the job, the job, the job. So like every offseason getting ready to move again. Yeah, again. you know, he said, if I had it all over again, I would have got a D3 job, stayed 20 years and retired, let him name the stadium after me and played golf. And I always remembered that that concept. And I thought, you know, so this is a pretty darn good wave with the Lions. I am not going to get off of it and pass it on to somebody else just for – I got offered the Tampa Bay Storm job with Derek Brooks about seven years ago. Wow. And he, I went down and interviewed with him. He called me back, um, and he said, I'm not going to lie to you, Jason. He said, you got pretty good longevity with the Lions. I said, yes, sir. He said, I want you to be the coach here. He said, but I don't see this lasting another year. I said, that's what I thought, and I turned it down. And that had really been my dream job. I'd wanted that Tampa Bay Storm job. To me, that was the, that's the Dallas Cowboys dream. Yeah, I was going to say, that's a legendary franchise. Yeah, and then they, well, he was right. They wound up folding. That's... They folded a year later. So I'm like, again, bullet dodged. But to be here in Columbus and those relationships and then – we watched, uh, uh, you know, there's a lot of stuff on, you know, we had the Behind the Lions. Right. Mm-hmm. Fantastic stuff. Oh, wait till you see the other episodes. Holy cow. I can't, I can't wait. Um, But to look at the history of the team and all the, you know, and, and to be able to see different stuff and memorabilia and you think of all the players and I can remember it like, like that, but it's pretty cool. And speaking of the players, because I mean, with that longevity, you brought in players. The Lions have had guys like a Damian Daniels who who come in. And I wanted to just talk about him when he when you brought him in. He's a guy from this area, and even watching stand up. There you go. And it's one of those things. Uh, yeah, Shaw, you always always well represented on the podcast. When you see him, what jumps off him? Because we see clips of. I wasn't here when he was playing, and I saw clips of him on YouTube. What was it like watching him go crazy on uh, at the Civic Center? Comforting. <laughs> as a coach because he couldn't be beat mm-hmm. he just his greatest asset his hands are insane if it touched his fingers i think he's got is it 117 or 121 i think 21 yeah, yeah i think it's 121 he's got 121 picks i know receivers that don't have 121 catches <laughs> he's got 121 interceptions and i remember him meeting at the open trial february when I moved down there in 2006 at Memorial Stadium, and he was out there in those red shorts, you know, we laugh about it now. I tell, I'm, that, I'm that coach who tells the same story, but he was in those red shorts. And I remember calling players over, and I'm like, that dude in the red shorts, I don't know something about this guy. And he, I don't know if he played very much first year with the Vipers. Mm-hmm. He got in. But then that little click of Damian, uh, Justin Rivers from Hardaway, yeah. uh, Joel, uh, Ryan Babb from Central, that click of three players, and Anthony Merritt from Shaw set – the forever course of this program, you know, especially Justin, Justin and Damian, uh, just really, and then Gerald Gales at two, just really set the path for this team. And Damian, I mean, geez, just he's the way he can break on a football and undercut the route. And you think you could beat him because he's five, you know, nine, five, ten, or whatever. Right. Like this is a guy I can just moss or whatever. I'll get my touchdown. His leaping ability. I got a phenomenal picture in my office of him diving for a touchdown. It's just insane, man. Just probably one of the, just fun to coach because he was a good player. He's a good person. And uh, he competed at the highest level. He could play. And that's the one thing. I wish I was here when Damien played, man. It was, was something special. It was in the night hawk. <laughs> and when he got a pick, man, I'll tell you what else he did too. Was, I don't know how many, I'd have to ask him, but when he got a pick, it was going the other way. That's it's, it's going the other way. Wow. It wasn't, you know, but he would just make so many interceptions. And there was, you know, he had a couple double digit years in the teens, like 16, 17 picks. So that side of the field was just completely shut off. Don't throw it his way. 
Yeah. I mean. I mean. Yeah. Yeah. You just, you just you tried him if you wanted to. See what happens. He was that good. That's crazy. He was that good. So. And, you know, you you talk about Damian and Justin, the two players who have their numbers hanging in the Raptors of the Civic Center. You know, just incredible players. You know, what are some of the players that, you know, besides Justin and Damian, who just kind of stick out to you? It's like, you know, I, I, <laughs> but, you know, you know, just per- personally, you know, who just stick out to you, be like, you know, God, I'm so glad, you know, even if it was for one season, you know, I'm so glad that I got to coach this player. Wow. That's a lot of players, man. That is a lot of players. Yeah, um. That's 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 really not a good one. <laughs> you said outside of those two, right? Yeah. yeah. I'll roll off a couple real quick. Uh, Deion Small, for, without a doubt, out of Troy. Brandon Thomas, mm-hmm. without a doubt. Um, Mason Espinoza. I mean, he's. You know, we watch those inside the lines. The thing that that I love the most about playing quarterback with him, and I had the same relationship with Casey Cas, but he was he just didn't put enough time in. Casey. Gotcha. Casey was only here two mm-hmm. years, but he was is having that relationship with a quarterback to where you're both on the same page. And I would go to call a play, and he'd be like, no, no, how about if we do this? I'm like, run it. And then they'd go through a touchdown. Yeah. <laughs> and to watch somebody do that was outstanding. Um, but, uh, yeah, definitely. Gerald Gales, the wide receiver. Yeah. GG. Nice. So, I, I think of players, and I don't really – and then, you know, I've, I, I talked to him today, too. I mean, Jarmon Fortson is probably one of the best athletes I've ever coached. See, I've heard that constantly about him. It's not even close. It's not even close. He should be in the NFL, but and he knows that. But he's just he's just an incredible in his knowledge of the game, just his competitiveness and the, the things he can do are amazing. You know, and he's just outstanding. But um and we had some we've had some big receivers. I, I Michael Reeve. Yeah. <laughs> Michael Reeve, good God. Almost cut him. Really? We were we were heavy on the roster and he was from Western Oregon. I don't like bringing players across the country because when I gotta cut him, I gotta send them back. It's a long way so to go I home. try to stay away from it, but we were over the roster, and I, I didn't really recruit him. Uh, one of our personnel guys did, so I was watching the film like, ah, eh, just gonna tell this guy to stay home. We'll put him on a two day waiver list. But then the next something happened. I wound up not calling him. I was like, whatever. So we got there the next day, and I just let him. I just let him come to camp anyway. Comes to camp, and there was something about him, but he was on the practice squad for about fourteen weeks. Fourteen weeks, he sat on that practice squad making fifty dollars. Wow! Never God. said a word. 14 weeks. Going to week 15, John Harris, the best receiver on the team, you know, he was a burner, uh, had to get his um, tonsils out, and they had gotten infected. So he sits out for a week. Michael gets in the game, scores three touchdowns in Huntsville. So then we go into the playoff game. John's still out. He scores four touchdowns in the playoff game. Right? So now we're in the championship game, and I've got Jarmon Fortson, who's the – quote, quote, little guy at 6'4", 225. That's a little guy? Because we had Terrence Obagwa at 6'7", and we had Michael Reeve at 6'8". Wow. And it was just a lethal. We played Richmond that game, and I remember John came back healthy, and he was mm-hmm. been our number one receiver all year long, and I didn't dress him. I couldn't. I couldn't bench Reeve. Yeah. That was probably the hardest thing I've ever done in a football. And, and, and to this day, I don't think he – you know, we we've seen each other, and I don't think the relationship's really good, which sucks. And that's a that's a horrible decision you got to make as a coach. It worked out for us because Reed dominated that championship game. He had earned it, and then the next two seasons he goes on to get Player of the Year two years in a row. So I mean, he was just that spectacular. And that's what I tell players. You know, I, I 
I always play the best player. I'm always going to play the best player, regardless of how I feel about you personally. I got to do what's right. Fair. And it sucked. And that was, I remember pacing my, my development, like with the phone in my hand with John's number. And I would, and I just couldn't dial it. And I finally had to call, make that call. And it was, it was brutal. It was, brutal. Oh. It was rough. With all the success though with the Lions, you brought a championship back in, in one league. You've gotten close in the NAL. I'm the Buffalo Bills. I'm I, you know what? Jeez. But, but, but to, I'm getting out spent. Let's call a spade a spade. Jacksonville was dying that game. We were on the five-yard line. We should have won that game. Yeah. I've got a – I mean, this was money yeah, but, ball. This but, was the Yankees versus the Oakland Athletics. You had no were, reason to be there. They, yeah, they were about ready to get exposed. Right. And uh, it just had fumbled snaps. So that yeah. one's a backbreaker. That, 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 that one. And yes. then the Carolina game was just honestly, y'all, yeah. we lost Mason. That we lost hurts. all – Three starting wide. Okay, just for the record, so we know because Carolina, there, yeah. Carolina brags about they beat us sixty six to seven and they own us and I get all that. You know what? I made a three pointer one time too in the gym. <laughs> all right, I mean because you were the a previous triage unit going into I that mean, game. The, the, the two previous games we had beaten them when Mason was the quarterback with all our players, yep. but Deron Neal was out, Fortson was out, they were all out. We had you know Jeremy Johnson at quarterback who was an arena quarterback to his credit. He's not an arena quarterback, right? And we limped into that game. I had three free agents off the street at wide receiver. Uh, my left tackle was out. Nate Isles had a sprained ankle, so he was out. I mean, it was just bad. And then, then I tell you what, they were a good team. And when they could pour it on, they did pour it on. And they poured it on as much as they could. And so that – I don't really put anything on that year. That was kind of a year like, ah, let's just move on. Like you said, like Jimmy's and Joe's. Like, you can only do so much with the game plan, but when you don't have the dudes, you don't have the dudes. Don't have the dudes. But the great with me was being the four seed and going up to number one mass. That was great. And beating them with – we did not throw – go watch the film. We did not throw a pass the entire game over 10 yards. Not one. Really? Not one. And I just remember <laughs> back that season. I don't know how season. we won that game. <laughs> I just remember back that season just the – Wars that you and Massachusetts yes, were, had, were, had, were having. We had a big fight. Yes, at, at the second game underneath. You know, they had a bunch okay. of bunch of little meathead steroid pushers. All them, <laughs> all them Northeast guys. You know, them guys are and, Jersey Shore, right? Oh boy, here we go. <laughs> but like those games were absolutely insane. Epic. But to go underneath that tunnel after winning that game. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm glad we didn't have a microphone on that. <laughs> it's one of those things that we got to leave everything out on the outside. Bleep, huh? bleep, the entire bleep, time. Bleep, bleep. Yeah, it's kind of like you know, there's some NFL stories you watch. I don't, I don't really, uh, you know, I'm not a sore winner, but you know, if you're gonna push the buttons, I'm, 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 gonna, I'm gonna remember. Sure. Down the road. As you should. So, but anyway, but that was this good year, and then the next year, I think we got knocked out of the playoffs, and then. Of course, last year we lost at Albany. I mean, they, they, Albany's a good team, though. Well, yeah. they added like eight vets the yeah, last three weeks. They were spending a ton of money. Yeah, we had good players too. Now, oh no, no you guys no, were you definitely in that squad. game. Oh and yeah, that, you guys were in that game. So I tell you what, when Darrell Green hit Chris Martin on that crackback, <sighs> and I thought, holy cow, that was great. Could have, could have, could have, should have, would have, but yeah, we got to win one. I think you guys will. I mean, it's coming. The, the time is coming. The time is coming. The time is coming. You we'll could, be there. Yeah, we'll, we'll definitely be there to cover it. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I, I gotta, I gotta ask you because we've talked so much about the Lions, but we gotta talk about the team that's the logo that's over your heart right now, the Columbus right. Rapids. When did indoor soccer, you know, start coming into play about potentially having a franchise here in Columbus? I've uh, got up with Andrew Haynes. Andrew Haynes used to own the league, the AIFL. Okay. I was in the Raleigh Rebels. <laughs> Once again, these it connections. It all just circles around. It's amazing. And we had been in touch, and he had actually got out of football, went and started the St. Louis Ambush, and just 
had a ton of success with an indoor team. Mm-hmm. I'm talking six, seven thousand, eight thousand people crowds. Wow. And they're consistent and they're still there. I mean, they're just a phenomenal. So he got into soccer. I'm like, what are you into soccer for? You know, whatever, because we're all football guys. But he's like, because it's pretty darn successful and it's a good sport. So anyway, we got up in November again. We just got to talking about it. He's like, I got a great idea. What if we did this? And I got to talking with Josh Blair, my other partner, and I said, you know what? I'm at the part of my career in my life where I thought, honestly, I thought it was a good idea, but I also thought selfishly two things. One was selfish with the Lions. One was for the city. One was, well, if I bring in a professional soccer team, especially women's, I thought now's the right time for women's. I think 100%. Agree. You know, I enjoy, I love watching the women's game because they're so, they're just a good game to watch. The girls are athletic. I, I, I love our team. But if I thought it was now the time to bring a women's sport to Columbus, but if I could tie in the Rapids fan base with my football fan base, not only could I increase the soccer fan base, mm-hmm. but I could take the soccer fan base and increase the football fan base. Mm-hmm. So now I can double dip and just really mark. But also I thought it was good for the community. I'm, I'm, I'm big on what can we do to make the area a better place? What can we do to when you're a business and you're a box company or you're an employer, why do I want to bring a business to Columbus? Well, it's because they got the NIM. They got whitewater rafting. They've got uh, hockey. They've got soccer. They've got football. They've got baseball. They've got – you know, Fort Benning, you know, the Springer, all these great things, Uptown Columbus, you know, the rap. I mean, all these things that if you're not from here and you were visiting, you'd be like, wow, this is a pretty cool place, you know, and I want to be part of that. You know, I want to be, leave something behind versus just, you know. Existing here? Just existing or just, you know, wins, just chasing wins. And that's all cool, but I expect to win anyway. So, <laughs> I mean, I do, but. You know, I thought that'd be kind of cool for the city. I thought it was something else that I could get involved in and just entrench myself. A story that you told us right before we got started is how it's taken off. What is your impression of, because the, especially on the women's side, you have orders for, for a specific player now that girls are absolutely loving the players or getting to know the players. What has it been like? Well, I mean, look, yeah, when there's not, a, there's not a ton there yet. We had a lot of support early. You know, not a lot of people know exactly when the games are. Um, we had a lot of scheduling conflicts. You know, we started this thing. You know, the idea was November 19th. Wait, mm-hmm. 20, 20, 21, 22. Yeah, November of, I don't know, 20. Gotcha. Yeah, November of 20. So it's been a year ago almost that we came up with the idea. But getting dates with the building was difficult because we came in so late. So the hockey team had already had all their dates. Concerts were planned. All these different events. So the Civic Center and Rob Landers did a really good job of just saying, hey, you know what? I know it's not going to be tough this year. These are the only – and people don't realize this. When the Civic Center is booked, booked, I mean, it's booked. There are no dates. You can't just you show know, up and say like, hey, what hey I want Saturday. Well, it's gone. What are you going to do? <laughs> and so they gave us the best possible dates they could give us for okay. this year and see how it works. And so we're struggling right now a little bit getting it out there. It's a tremendous product. Mm-hmm. Um, that women's game that went into a shootout and we wound up winning it was insane. I mean, we walked out the line upstairs to sign autographs for those women was all the way around the corner. Wow. So much fun. And so um, trying to get, you know, but also, the other teams have a lot of vets. they got a lot of people that have coached it. they got a lot of people that played it. And we went all local on purpose. Mm-hmm. I think we got two really good coaches. And um, it was important to represent our community. And we got some growing pains, and they'll learn, and they'll get better. And the good thing about it is they got my support. And, they, you know, and I'm regardless of what anybody says, you know, there's a, there's a learning curve playing indoor soccer off those walls. Absolutely. I mean, there's a strategy behind all of that. It's not just, you know, and our guys are learning it, and the girls are learning it. And it's a long season, so – I'm excited, and it's going to be a mainstay. What a great name and logo, too. Oh, exactly. Absolutely. I was going and, to say, it's perfect. And you can also see, you know, just, you know, work, you know, about, what, a third of the way through the season or so, and you can see the progression that the teams have made 
from oh, open, from 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 opening night in Memphis to where they are now. Both teams have gotten you know tremendously better. So I can I can see you know yeah they're learning, but they're also getting better and they're becoming more cohesive as a team. Plus, I mean, it just builds it builds for our community and and, and our goals that this summer is to work with all the youth programs because I know you I know soccer's you know spring fall. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So our goal is to be winter, winter, summer. Okay. And let's just you. make this soccer thing year round. Let's work with everybody. Let's do camps and clinics and men's leagues. We know we got a, we got a six on six co-ed adult tournament in February on the turf on the weekend. Oh, okay. we've already nice. got four teams signed up. That's amazing. Just to, just to get, you know, get the community out, get them out there playing on the turf and soccer. Soccer is a great sport. And uh, so I'm excited for, for where it's going to go. It's a struggle. It's a lot of work Yeah. on top of the job, uh, you know, the other, the other job. jobs, <laughs> but, uh, it's all tying in together. So one thing I've no, noticed about you and I've learned about you, in my, you know, in my time being, you know, working here at News 3, is that you are a man who always has his hand in something. Mm-hmm. You know, where does that work ethic come from? Because, you Jeez. know, we, we, me and Rex joke, when do you sleep? I think it's on Sundays for 30 minutes, maybe. Not much. <laughs> um, I, you know, we grew up on a farm. I did. It sounds crazy. You know, I grew up on a farm with cows and chigs and I mean, chigs, <laughs> pigs and chickens. I was trying to say two at one time. Yeah. Uh, dad worked construction. He dug graves on the weekends. We, we cut tobacco and did tobacco because uh, we lived on a tobacco farm. Um, and so you had those things. So you come home from school, you had to feed the cows and the pigs and the chickens before you can go to practice. And you did all that. And then on the weekends you went with your dad and you know, he was in construction. So we built houses on the weekends. So we get up Saturday morning and then all day, Saturday, Sunday, we're, carrying lumber for our dads or carrying nail bags or whatever they told us to do. And so you did that, you know, parents didn't buy us any cars. You wouldn't got a job. I worked, I worked as a car detailer at the car dealership, paid for my insurance and, um, parts driver for Napa, no plug, but I did. <laughs> so you just did all that. But my, so my dad was, he just works his butt off. And you don't ask questions. You just keep your mouth shut. And so, uh, you know, when you grow up like that, you just kind of move it on and, I couldn't imagine. How do you how do you not work for something? That's a good point. Yeah. And speaking of working for something, you also love to build stuff. I mean, you built what the lines are now. You're on the mm-hmm. ground. You're on the ground floor of, of the of the rapids. Rapid. And um, you know, I have one game that I also love that you have is you do that high school indoor game, just kind of expose the indoor game for the for the Alabama and Georgia. That's kids. cool. That's a fun thing. That That's, is so awesome. I, I hope that stays for a while. We're working on it, so we'll see. Nice. Building things though, there you take a lot of pride in building stuff. Where does that come from? I don't know. I like you know, when you, when you play Madden, everybody, I love franchise mode because you get the I'm build. right there yeah. with you. I'm right there with you. So I'm like, this is like real live Madden franchise stuff I get to do <laughs> for a living. And, you know, it's fun. It's fun to create things and create opportunities and build something to see it. I don't want to just show up, coach, and go home sometimes, you know. I mean, I'll take that back. Sometimes you do. But <laughs> um, it's just cool stuff, you know. And my, my best friend, one of my best friends from college, Scott Thistle, you know, of course we love all Tom Cruise movies. And, uh, <laughs> and uh, he always said, you know, we can't say it now because if you look at me, I'm, I'm, I'm hairless. But, you know, because he, he always told me, he says, if you're not going Mach 10 with your hair on fire, I wouldn't know who you are. <laughs> and so I've been doing that since, since he knew me in college 25 years ago. It's just I can't sit around not do something. Just got to go, go, go. Favorite Tom Cruise movie? You're not going to believe it. Days of Thunder. Yes! Really? All day long. He's a so big, big NASCAR guy. I, I love NASCAR and I love Days of Thunder. Of Thunder. 
Because I, I, all, with all the Top Gun stuff, I thought he would have been for sure Top Gun. No, Days of Thunder, Mission Impossible. Oh, my, my wife, my wife's so cool, man. She loves Mission Impossible. When that comes on, it is, it's good. Now I'm going to throw it out to me. We're going to go watch Maverick, but and I get that. Yeah, but you kind of have to at this Days point. Days of Thunder. Really, there's so mm-hmm. many quotes in that movie that Robin's I still, racing, huh? Robin's racing. More scared of being nothing than I am of being hurt. There you go. You know, what so I mean? confession. I've never seen Days of Thunder. I made my wife watch it. She was like, you know, it's not that good. Like, it was not that good. <laughs> Harry Hogg, you know? I'm changing also that. I'm, I'm watching Days of Thunder. I'm going to say, Rex, you can't, you, you can't work in the same office as me <laughs> and have never hey, seen Days of Thunder. Jack, I use that in other stuff. I'm like, you know, my wife's like, what do you know about this? I'm like, well, you know, I saw it on TV. ESPN, the coverage is great. Remember they asked if you knew how to drive a NASCAR? Yeah. If you'd ever driven a NASCAR before? Exactly. He's like, no. He's like, how'd you learn to drive? He's like, well, I watched it on ESPN. <laughs> and they're like, that whole, yeah. It's just, the movie has so many great quotes and one-liners. That's, and it, it, it's just, you have to see it, Rex. All right, so fi- we're fixing that problem ASAP. It is. Days that, of Thunder. That movie and, and is at, a move. And at the time, I was living in North Carolina. Okay. Also, and, it's, it's, so NASCAR so I, heaven. I'm in the mecca of NASCAR in the you know, 90s and, or eight and right. whatever. And just, you know, that whole, and I'd known and been to all these places and these racetracks that they'd been to in Darlington and, and, and in South Carolina. So I'd seen all that stuff in that movie and just NASCAR heaven, man. I mean, <laughs> yeah. when I was in North Carolina, I didn't miss a race. I'm not kidding you. So, so watch it. Still no. watch a lot of NASCAR? Got no. it. Well, you're busy, obviously. Yeah. So. It's weird. It's weird how you, where you live dictates what you like. So, That's very so true. me growing up, up in Maryland, there's no college. I'm mm-hmm. not saying there's no college, but nobody cares. Mm-hmm. It's, it's it's pro sports. sports. It's pro sports all the way through. It's home team sports, and I'm watching the Capitals. I'm watching the Bullets, and I'm watching the Orioles, and I'm watching the Redskins. Home and, team sports, that's a throwback. <laughs> yeah, that's all you're watching. And then I moved to North Carolina, and all of a sudden, you know, it was – you know, NASCAR on the weekends and every Wednesday night, I'm watching that ACC tournament down at, uh, yeah, at, at, at the restaurant mm-hmm. because it was ACC country. Of course, me being a Maryland fan, Gary Williams back in the day, huge rivalries, ACC, Maryland, all mm-hmm. that stuff. Um, now you're so, in the middle of ACC country. And then still not in the college football at all. Really? At all. Even though I played, it didn't care less. Mm-hmm. Then he moved down here, and then it's, of course, it's college country and all that other stuff's irrelevant. When I was in Germany, I didn't miss a Formula Heinz race. That was heaven. <laughs> Hefeweizen and Bratwurst mit Simpf and how about he's on Sus von Wagenbitter. That's amazing. Well, look at that. See, rattle that name off. That's so, outstanding. You know, we're, you know, having drinks and eating Bratwurst and watching <laughs> Formula One. So it's kind of weird how where you live dictates your passion. That doesn't sound like a bad life at all right there. That was a great life. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to say having a good time watching a Formula One race, that's not a bad time. So, that, that was all I had that. And when I lived in that was, and I had two things in English. That was Braveheart and uh, <laughs> Deep Space Nine. <laughs> nice. That's all I watched over and over and over again because everything else was in German. I couldn't speak it. Oh, man. I think we're coming up on the end of this here. Y'all going to say we, we're pushing the longest episode right now. Sorry. What is no, a, it's, a, it's a, absolutely fine. A couple questions for you. What does this city mean to you? You've, you've made a career here. You've done a lot here. You're building legacies here. What does Columbus in this area mean to you? I'd like to say I can call it my home. When I tell people where I'm from, you know, I'd like to say I'm from Columbus. You know, Columbus, Phoenix. I live in Phoenix City, of course. I love Alabama. I love the whole region. Um, I, obviously, I want to see uh, I want to see it progress. I want to see it get better. You know, with with everything. Um, so I'm just like everybody else. And I've always said, you know, it's not really about where you live; it's who you know and the people you you know you surround yourself with. And just there's just great people here in Columbus. It's it's really about is. people, not necessarily the region and 
and things like that. But I love living three hours from Panama City, and I love going to Birmingham and being as close to Atlanta, but still being in this area. And so it, it grows on me, and I'm just you know proud to call it home. So hopefully this is uh, this is my last stop. There you go. Awesome. Final question though, time Jack. Yep. Coach, Kick us off. We have a tradition here on the show that with you with the caveat that you have to help us out. Shoot. Who would you like to see sitting in your chair being a guest on our podcast? From this area, right? It could be it could, it could be, be anyone. Him. It could be anybody. But with the caveat that you have to help us get them. And we've we got a good one since he knows like pretty much everybody. Yep. Oh, <laughs> wow. Um ooh. <laughs> I'm trying to think who I can make sure I can help get <laughs> Rex mark down this moment. I have loved Jason Gibson speechless very much. So at uh what three eighteen on year? January 24, 2022. All right. Screenshot. Got it. Yeah. I'm, I know who I'd love to have on the show. Boom. And just because it's an interesting story, because it ties with arena. Alan Eck. Alan Eck. Okay. E C K Alan Eck. All I'll right. tell you why. Okay. I got old pictures. Alan um, started officiating all of our arena games back in the day. Mm-hmm. I think, I can't remember which conference he worked for. So, you know, he's got, probably got some great stories. He's got some great stories about me and him because we battled it out because back in the day I couldn't control my temper <laughs> with the officials. Um, but Alan's the the umpire for the NFL now. Wow. What? He's from Atlanta. Oh, and wow. And so he worked his way through the small college conferences. And then in the winter to springtime, he worked arena. Then he worked small college and arena and he worked the Doughboy game for Fort Benning and he was just officiating everything. He was everything. And it was a good relationship to build and watch him grow. And the next thing you know, he got big 12 and then he was the white hat for big 12. And next thing you know, wow, he's in the NFL officiating NFL games. You know, um, I talked to, I, I talked to him last week during the Bengals game. They were there as the, as the alternates for the Bengals. <laughs> game. Wow. That is awesome. I texted him. I was like, Hey Alan, what's up, man? You got a game this week? And he's like, I'm actually the alternate at the Bengals game right now. I'm like, why are you texting me? <laughs> <laughs> Don't you, shouldn't you be paying attention at yeah, this point? Super cool guy. I, I could call. Yeah. He, oh he, man. He, we'd love that. And he's got great stories. I'm not going to spill any of them. I've, I asked him like, and I'm not going to say names. I've asked you, who's the best coach in the league to work with? Who's the worst in these names? I'll tell you guys off air. I'm not going to say Who's that. like, who's the most annoying kind yes. of person? I'll say <laughs> oh, it off Oh, that'd air, be great. I'm not going to say it on Sorry, air. that'll be on uh, on his hotlines extra. One thing I wanted to do too, here is your card from the uh, Prowlers yes. player info. And it has, you know, coaching notes saying great hands, great speed, six foot, 200 pounds. Or, just wanted to get your reaction to that. What would you tell that guy about, about the journey he's about to go on? Oh my God. Back in the day. Hmm. Just, I wouldn't take anything. I, you know, I, I did it right. I did it right. I'm not going to lie to you. I don't have any regrets. I have no regrets. I met my wife. I got my kids. Um, I worked hard to where I, where I got and uh, didn't make it to, to the NFL and things like that. But I wouldn't take anything back because of the people that I met on the journey. I mean, that journey is, is insane when I look back on it. And, I mean, that, that, that guy worked his butt off. Yeah, show that yeah. guy on the camera, Rex. So oh, yeah, absolutely. So can see check that out. Check oh, that guy. Yeah. Look, look at all that hair, man. <laughs> look at all that hair. <laughs> and also, so the coaching knows, we'll see if these are accurate. Great hands. I can great, catch. <laughs> great speed. Knows how to hit open. Runs routes well. Knows for the football. And great football instinct. Nah. Accurate? Yeah, the knows for the football. I didn't have great routes. I wasn't a great route runner. Gotcha. Um, I could catch. 
<laughs> You've been telling us all day that you could run. I could run, man. I could run. I've worked on that, though. I could run. Um, so, but yeah, it was, it was close. It was oh, close. that's pretty close. Awesome. Bad. Definitely not notes you would use for Rex Castillo during his Lions tryout. So there, that, <laughs> oh, my that, God. That was, that was awful. I'm just happy I didn't terrible. have to carry you off the field. I mean, I think I pulled my hamstring warming up. So, you know, that, that was that was outstanding. Mm-hmm. He felt like this dude. That was a good day. Jack, when are you coming? See? God. <laughs> can, I, can I please? Can no, you, you're not trying out for kicker either. You're, you're, <laughs> oh, yes! You're going for the lineman. Oh, oh I'm I'm so recording all of that. We got to oh. get you one Can we get him time. Lineup against Ulrich and well, all that? with the new Iron Man rules, you got to play offense and defense. I just need you for like two reps. Left guard and Rex, no you time. might need a new weekend I'm sports anchor. After oh, this. this is going. We'll get you in the huddle. We'll get Mason to call to play. Get you <laughs> I out haven't there. I haven't played any kind of football whatsoever since I was at high school. Hey, whenever the tryout is, he's gone. That's your assignment. You March fifth. No, March fifth. You have no. You have no choice in this, or you don't have a job on March sixth. Just telling you, you that. Guy, right we got to get that. Some you footage. do realize that's Auburn's last home game that day. So. Is it really? Yes, it's Auburn's. Uh, I got it. They're playing South Carolina. Congratulations! You're not going. What time's the game? Uh, I don't know. It's on the. I just saw it on the calendar <laughs> earlier today. It's at three p.m. schedule for an hour before, so that way you just you know take care. Oh, of we start at twelve. You'll be done by twelve oh two. You'll be fine. All right, so guys, check out for uh, Jack Patterson's lines trial. God, this is gone completely I off the rails. This worked out really good. That's oh. Outstanding. Welcome to your recruiting trip, Jack. Come so, on, I can play. Listen, I can be your tight end coach. I promise. If he's going to be a tight end, we need to play for him. You, you oh. I can. I can do this. I promise. You catch. You. I can catch. There Ricky we go. Z high at fifty one F shoot. I have zero idea what you just said. <laughs> we got it. We got the play. Don't worry about it. Coach, yep. thank you so Thanks, much guys. for joining us. We got to wrap this thing up as Jack gets ready for his Lions tryout. But an international football career now that he's landed here in Columbus and a man who wants to build a legacy here, Jack, I, this was just so much fun. Yeah, he's also trying to end my journalism career at the same time. Or but, start your football career. I'm just but, saying. But all, all things considered, Man, what a career yeah. Jason Gibson has had and continues to have Absolutely. here. And he continues to make a major impact here in the Chattahoochee Valley, not only with the Lions, but with the Columbus Rapids as well. And it's been an incredible hour plus. I Like I said, I think this sets the record for longest Sorry. episode of On Your Sidelines, and that's not a bad thing. Coach. Iron Man rule right here. So. Exactly. <laughs> but Rex, it is indeed, you hear the music, it's time to wrap things up. So, Rex, where can the people find us? Guys, thank you so much for joining us. You can check us out, of course, when we do get guests lined up on WRBL.com. We also have this podcast available for you on uh, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and iHeartRadio. Jack, where can they find us on social media, though? Because we got to share this stuff around. Exactly. You can follow us on Twitter. Rex is at Rex Castillo TV. Yours truly at Jay Patterson TV. Also on Facebook, WRBL Rex Castillo, WRBL Jack Patterson. And you can follow the News 3 Sports accounts at WRBL Sports on Twitter. WRBL News 3 Sports on Facebook. Rex, take us home, my brother. Guys, thank you so much again for joining us. Jason Gibson, please go support the Columbus Lions and the Columbus Rapids. Amazing athletes, both men and women on the soccer field. Incredible football. It's going to happen, coach. It's going to happen one day. We're going to stand on top of the NAL mountain. It's going to be great, and we'll be there. Guys, thank you so much for joining us. We'll see you next episode. See you in two weeks.